Hello and welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we have Catechism Thursday, episode number 14. And so real quick, pause this if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's podcast with Dr. Chad Van Dixhorn from Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, where he talked about the Westminster Standards. So if you guys are part of a PCA, OPC, or any other Presbyterian denomination, they use this document as their doctrinal statements summarizing the faith of the Bible. And if you guys aren't part of those denominations, but are curious and want to learn more about the Reformed faith or the Presbyterian denomination, it is a great episode to learn and to dive into the theology and the doctrine behind this confession and these standards. So hope you guys listen to that. We will start with question and answers 35 to 36. Again, this is our sinuses catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism. Question 35. Why do you confess when you say he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? Answer. The eternal Son of God who is and remains true and eternal God, took upon himself true human nature from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary through the working of the Holy Spirit. Thus, he is also the true seed of David and like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin. So here's Ursinus' exposition of question and answers 35. As we are born of God, because he made us, so Christ was conceived by the Holy Ghost, because he was by his virtue an operation that he was conceived, and not because he was formed from the substance of the Holy Ghost. What, therefore, does the conception of Christ by the Holy Spirit signify? And he gives three quick responses. First, that Christ was miraculously conceived in the womb of the Virgin, by the immediate action or operation of the Holy Ghost, without the seed and substance of man, so that his human nature was formed from his mother alone, contrary to the order of things which God has established in his nature. Second, the Holy Ghost miraculously sanctified that which was conceived and produced in the womb of the Virgin, so that original sin did not attach itself to that which was thus formed. That's huge right there. Original sin did not attach itself to that which was thus formed. For these reasons, that he might be a pure sacrifice, and that he might also, by his purity, sanctify others, that we might know that whatever the Son says is truth. And then third, that the hypostatical union of the two natures, the divine and the human, was formed by the same ghost in the womb of the Virgin immediately at the very moments of his conception. Hence, it is added in the Creed that Christ was born of the Virgin Mary for these five reasons. First, that is the truth of the human nature assumed by the Son of God was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and was born a true man from the substance of Mary, his mother. Second, that he, that we may know that Christ has descended from the fathers, 
from whom Mary also was, as the son of David, being born of the daughter of David. Third, that we may know that the scriptures are fulfilled. Fourth, that we may know that Christ was sanctified in the womb of the Virgin by the power of the Holy Ghost and is, therefore, pure and without sin. And fifth, that we may know that there is an analogy between the nativity of Christ, his birth, and the regeneration of the faithful, our birth, our new birth. Question answer 36. What benefit do you receive from the holy conception and birth of Christ? He is our mediator, and with his innocence and perfect holiness, covers in the sight of God my sin in which I was conceived and born. And here's Osinus' exposition of question answer 36. There are two benefits resulting from the holy conception and nativity of Christ. The confirmation of our faith that he is the mediator and the consolation that we are justified before God through him, that is through Christ. What is the meaning of this article? I believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. These are two reasons, two I believes. First, I believe that this natural Son of God was made true man in a miraculous manner, and having two natures, the divine and human, joined together by a personal union, and sanctified by the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Second, I believe that he is such, true God and true man, and yet one Christ, sanctified from his mother's womb, that he might redeem and sanctify me, and that I have the rights of the adoption of the sons of God. For the sake of this, his son, conceived and born in the manner just described. Then he has a longer statement on the two natures of Christ. This is huge for our understanding of the divine and the human nature of Christ. So he has four questions. Are there two natures in the mediator? Do these natures con constitute one or two persons? If but one person, what is the nature of this union? And then lastly, why was it necessary that the hypostatical, and he will define this, the hypostatical union should be con constituted? So first question, are there two natures in the mediator? The testimonies of scripture, which teach that Christ had all the parts of human nature, and that he was made like unto us in all things, sin only accepted. The same doctrine is also confirmed by the divine promises and prophecies. The office of mediator demanded in Christ, our deliverer, a true human nature taken from ours, which had sinned, and which was to be redeemed through him. For it behooved the same nature which had sinned to suffer and make satisfaction for sin. His second question, do the two natures of Christ constitute one or more persons? He answers, there are two natures in Christ, whole and distinct, but only one person. Marcion, an old heretic in the third or fourth centuries, taught that there were two Christs, the one crucified, the other not, and that the one came to the assistance of the other upon the cross. But it behooved one to be Christ, because it was necessary that one should be mediator, both by merit and efficacy, 
Therefore, there must needs be only one person. Third, what is the union of which exists between the two natures of Christ and how it was made? The union which exists between the two natures in Christ was made by the operation of the Holy Ghost and the very conception in such a manner that the two natures subsist in the single person of Christ without confusion, without change, indivisible, and inseparable, as it is expressed in the Chalcedonian Creed. It is called the hypostatical or personal union, and he defines it here, because the two natures that are different are united in a mysterious manner in one person, whilst the essential properties of each nature are retained whole and entire. So he defines the hypostatic union, this big word, by saying two distinct properties that are not intermixed in any way, not like you blend two ingredients together, but two properties that are not that are distinct in every way, yet found in the same person, Christ. And then lastly, fourth. Why was it necessary that this hypostatical union should be effected? And he answers, for all of these reasons above, it was necessary that the personal union should be effected between the natures of the mediator, that he might at the same time be very man and very God, who might be able to restore and merit for us that righteousness and life which we have lost. For had not these natures concurred and met together in the person of the word, as above described, he could not have accomplished the work of our redemption. And that ends Lord's Day number 14 for Catechism Thursday, talking about the two natures of Christ, how these two were distinct, yet found the one person, Jesus Christ. I hope you guys enjoyed today's lesson on Lord's Day number 14 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Look forward to next Monday. We have Dr. Ben Gladon talking about the relationship of the New Testament Old Testament and when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, why it does that and why we should be paying attention to those quotes. So we hope to see you guys again on Monday on Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast where we bridge the gap to Reformed Theological Truth. Please subscribe to us on your podcast catcher. Review us. Give us five stars. Help others find this podcast through your review. Find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow us there, keep up with our updates and who we're interviewing next and a couple quotes that you guys might find really enriching. We hope to see you guys next week.